Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. And welcome on in, everybody. Fighter's Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Happy post-Easter, everybody. Uh, we had our Easter episode yesterday, and a lot of things have changed since then, so I wanted to throw out an updated episode midweek, because it is fight week, and... It, you know, the entire episode was kind of thrown up to smithereens. Uh, plus, we'll get a chance to react to Anthony Joshua against Joe Parker and, and where that whole thing lies right now. But we're going to start off with the big news that happened in the midst of April, April Fools yesterday. Ariel Helwani coming out with a report that Tony Ferguson out against his opponent, Khabib Nurmagomedov, for the lightweight championship was going to be the undisputed lightweight championship. As Dana has stated, as soon as the first punch was thrown between those two, it's no longer for the interim title. It was for the real deal. And they never got there. For the fourth time, this fight has been scrapped. Two and two on both sides is what has caused this fight to not happen. It seems truly cursed. It seemed something only cruel enough to happen on April Fool's Day. People didn't believe it. People weren't weren't having it that somebody was going to mess with this. Um, and again, this was one of the fights where you were, you were looking forward to this matchup so, so much. It seemed too perfect, you know, for a world that is so obsessed with Conor McGregor and the the stars and, and, and what this UFC has been dealing with tough. This was just the fight fans fight. We really wanted to see this matchup in the, in the in the sports, arguably their best division. And we're not going to get to see it again. And Dana said yesterday to ESPN, I'm never making this fight again. Never. Never going to happen. So... It looks like it's all going to be disaster, that the UFC's best card in a long time between having this main event, a really good rematch between Rose Namajunas and Joanna and Jacek. It seemed like we were screwed, but the UFC, to their credit, pulled an absolute rabbit out of their hat. Max Holloway, featherweight champion of the world, 145 pounds. He's moving up six days' notice to fight Habib for what will be the undisputed lightweight championship of the world just really tremendous very tremendous matchup for the fans fun matchup I don't know how much we we love Max's chances we'll get to that in just a second but props to Dana White the UFC WME whoever the hell you want to give the credit to over there Max Holloway uh Khabib for wanting to stay on to take the title fight props to everybody for making the main event what it's gonna be on Saturday night you feel absolutely terrible for Tony because Tony's one of these guys where I don't know what it is. Something's not clicking as far as why people don't glam onto this guy being absolutely awesome. The way he goes about fights, the way he risks in fights, the types of things he pulls off in the octagon. Something still is amiss with Tony where people just don't connect with him uh, on an absolute star level. Even as they do with maybe a Khabib. But this was, I think, supposed to be his moment where you really couldn't question it anymore. You know, his last fight... Winning the title, he's on such a great win streak. But even his last fight against Kevin Lee, you know, fought a Kevin Lee with a staff infection, a guy who was maybe getting the the fight a little bit too soon. And you really question about whether or not Tony was getting all his, his due, and he should. This happens, and this comes off the heels of him 
making fun of Khabib for not making weight. The Tiramisu jokes were uh, were a plenty leading up to this, and even Khabib afterwards was like, "No, Tony, now you will shut the mouth and not make Tiramisu jokes." Even though Khabib has had weight cutting issues, has had injury issues all in the past, whether or not that's fair game. So far, only one guy's walking to the cage, so the guy who's active gets to gets to chirp a little bit. So I feel bad for Tony not being able to make this fight because I don't I don't know what the path looks is going to be like for him to get back. It shouldn't be a long one. I mean, once he is healthy again, he should be right back in that title contention. Um, and I, I think a great deal that's going to depend on, well, are, is Dana really serious? If Khabib does become champion, which Vegas odds are heavily favoring, if he does become champion, when does Tony get to fight? Because he had his interim title, it just goes away. It's not a thing anymore, which... You know, some people have a problem with I don't. Um, the whole point of being an interim champion is that you're in place of the champion. You're not the actual champion. You're the champion if the other champion can't go. If you're not able to go, then what? And you're ready to crown an undisputed champion, then I think you just got to deal with what it is. And so I don't have a problem with Dan just saying it goes away. If he was the undisputed champion, I mean, then we're having another story. Then this has to be for the interim title. That's what this has to be for, uh, the old double interim. You know, that was some of the talk with GSP, um, you know, when GSP was still champ and Robert Whitaker was champ, was GSP going to fight? Uh, was Ro- a Robert Whitaker or would Robert Whitaker really defend the interim championship? Can't do that. Like, there's no defending the interim championship if you're Tony. Tony can't make the fight. He will get healthy, and I think he should be right back in the title picture, but... If he was going to have an argument for being the guy, and I think ultimately what this all leads to is who's going to be the next guy to fight Conor McGregor. And ultimately, you wanted to have that chip in your corner of having the belt to have some kind of road to get to Conor. Didn't didn't necessarily mean you're going to be the automatic guy who's going to get the path because Conor's going to fight who he wants to fight. And the UFC is going to put him up against who they want to put him up against. But the idea that now Tony's got nothing. He really doesn't have the fan base. He doesn't necessarily have the personality. He doesn't necessarily have this great cachet to where people are clamoring to see him versus Connor. Even though I'd love to see that matchup. I'm just talking about the mainstream. That belt was really the biggest thing he had on his side, much like Eddie Alvarez did, much like RDA did when they got the opportunities to fight Connor and only one ended up fighting Connor. So for Tony, that's what the heartbreaking thing is here. You know, there's so few real big paydays out there for these UFC fighters. And it feels like for Tony, this really got squandered. And this is a guy who's had some arguments back and forth with the UFC about his pay, when he's getting his pay, how he should be paid. And the fact that, you know, now we're in this position where he can't get it. It's a, it's a huge drag. And I hope, He's not punished greatly for this. He shouldn't be. He's awesome, and he should be right back in there. However, the UFC pulling off what they were able to pull off with this crisis scenario of losing this fight again, wow, did they come through with something magical. They came through with an absolute home run of a replacement. Max Holloway, who you know has the next biggest streak in the UFC, fighting Khabib, for the lightweight title. And you want to talk about another guy who's trying to find his way to Conor McGregor. Because Khabib, to me, I feel like Khabib, even if he doesn't win, I, I still feel like he has avenues to get to Conor. I think there's a great market for him. I feel like he is on the cusp 
of taking this next leap of being looked upon by fans as the next guy. Um, but guys like Max, who's already lost to Connor, guys like Tony, who have a lot of danger to them and not a, a lot of plus side to them, I feel like they need extra things to bring them to the table of getting a Connor fight. Uh, I don't necessarily, I think Khabib has the other stuff. Even he is a dangerous fight, but I think Connor will fight. I, I think Connor will fight dangerous guys. I think he has in the past. That shouldn't be questioned about him. Um, I just think I think Khabib has things that will get him Connor fights other than big titles. And so we're now looking at the scenario where Max Holloway is stepping in on six days' notice. Dangerous striker, definitely the most dangerous striker that Khabib's ever fought. Um, an absolute savage, but. Holy crap, are we talking about um, a weight difference that'll likely be there? Because I can't imagine Max is going to be much over the weight limit of 155. I imagine if he's taking this fight on six days' notice, he's got to be somewhere around the realm of 165, somewhere around that. Um, maybe it's a lot more aggressive than I think it is, but I'm just just guessing. And for Khabib, i got to imagine he's going to be a lot bigger than that. Once they get into the cage, you know, Khabib's never been the smallest light in the world. These guys missed weight multiple times very recently. So, yeesh, this is this is a tough task for Max Holloway. But I don't know if, first of all, if we're going to talk about striking skill sets, what are we going into there, uh, this fight with? Okay, he's going in there with a smaller guy, a guy in Tony Ferguson who's probably on the cusp of being a welterweight. So, Khabib's going to have a great size advantage from the weight standpoint, not necessarily the reach standpoint. Um, Max Holloway is a bigger featherweight. You know, he's 5'11". He's got a big reach. He'll be able to get to Khabib. He will be able to strike with Khabib without necessarily putting himself in the line of fire. The question is, okay, what happens when Khabib gets his hands on Max Holloway? Then what are we talking about here? If he gets his hands on Max Holloway, can Max Holloway deal with that? You know, this is a guy who can win in a lot of different ways. Max Holloway is not just a pure striker, so I don't want to put that type of, you know, stigma on him. But that is his A, that is his A weapon. You know, his striking is what has gotten him a lot of wins. You know, he's now in the line where he's won three straight all by TKO. He his last submission win came in 2015. So he has submission wins in his past, but that's not his A side. That's not where he's going. He's going to try and strike with you. He's going to try and hurt him. Um, but he's very diverse. He's very diverse on those feet. He comes with a lot of different angles, a lot of different weapons, a lot of volume. And if we're going to look at these two guys um, from this regard. Now, Khabib just won a fight against a very dangerous striker in Edson Barboza. He did. And Edson had a couple moments, but it was a pretty bad bludgeoning. Now, if you're going to look at Edson Barboza, Max Holloway, and you're going to say, all right, Edson may be the most dangerous kicker in the lightweight division, but Max Holloway is far and away just a better, more well-rounded striker. We did see in the Michael Johnson fight that Khabib was able to get clipped. He staggered a little bit, but even still, he took that shot, walked through, and he was able to get a hold of Michael Johnson, and it was really, really bad. And from this standpoint, Max isn't necessarily a one-punch, put the lights out kind of guy. He's not like Connor in that regard, where it's that kind of power. 
A few guys are. So can he keep the fight on the feet enough to where he can hurt Khabib, he can damage Khabib, can he stay out of range? These two guys are, you know, if we're going to look at the measurements, Khabib, 5'10", Max Holloway, 5'11", long limbs. Um, Got to reach on these guys arm-wise. I mean, if you're actually, and I'm surprised to read this, that Khabib is a, is a, got a 70-inch reach, Max is 69. So it may not be that great. That's the challenge you have when you come with him weight. It's a big task that Max Holloway's taking on. What a badass that he's doing this. Um, So really, really tough. Really, really tough. But Max Holloway, I mean, what are we talking about here? We're talking about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 wins in a row. Twelve straight wins for Max Holloway. Hasn't lost since he lost to Conor McGregor when he was 20 years old. We're talking four years, five years ago. Five years ago almost. And that, he hasn't tasted defeat in a long time. Because he's never tasted defeat. Never tasted defeat. So who do you pick in a fight like this? Who do you pick? I picked Tony to beat Khabib. But I felt like the reason for that was Tony had the wild card that was the jiu-jitsu that was... In a bad spot, he could still pull out wins. Can Max? Can Max pull out a win in a bad spot? Has he been in a bad spot? I mean, he is he has been bludgeoning guys left and right. The Ricardo Lamas fight. He's beating him up, put himself in a little bit of risk at the end. Uh Anthony Pettis bludgeoned him. It was getting outstruck a little bit by Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo early on. Not really. Beat him worse the second time around. Um him and Cub threw down pretty well. I, I mean, he's been killing guys left and right. But if he's in that bad position of being on the ground, does he have a way out? He hasn't been with any of these guys. If you look over the cross, I mean, you maybe look at Charles Oliveira as the best ground guy. I guess Jose would be the best ground guy if you were to look at it of these guys. Ricardo Lamas is an excellent wrestler, but not the size of Khabib. Not the size of Khabib. So who could you really look at in these in this line of fire that's like Khabib that Max has fought? And I don't know if you can. You could find guys that Khabib has fought that are Max-esque. You know, this is a guy who ragdolled Rafael Dos Anjos. This is a guy who beat Michael Johnson, Edson Barboza, made him look like hell. I feel like Khabib has been through the line of fire with some really, really good strikers. The only question is, is Max a cut above the rest? And maybe he is, but I don't know if I can pick Khabib to lose that one. I don't know. I, I I don't think I can. I'm picking Khabib. I'm, I, I've, I've, with the late switch, with not thinking Max has a way out if he gets taken to the ground, got to give him all the credit in the world, but I got to go with Khabib now to win this fight. I have to. Unbelievable, though. What a, what a rabbit the UFC pulled out of their hat. Unbelievable fight. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of uh, the heavyweight title matchup that went down this past week. Anthony Joshua taking on Joe Parker. Really, really fun matchup from Wales, and where we go from here? Where do we go from here with Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder and the whole heavyweight picture? We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Tobin here with you. Fighters Fury on 790, The Ticket. And want to get into a little bit of the heavyweight championship that went down this past Sunday. We had Anthony Joshua defeating Joe Parker by unanimous decision. Really wide scorecards. On the judges' standpoint, some people had a problem with this. 
couple things to get out of the way with this fight. Wasn't a fantastic fight by any means. I don't think anybody was is going to look at this and say it was an all-time classic. And I think Anthony's last two fights, Anthony Joshua, his last two fights haven't been fantastic. Been a little bit boring. Been a little bit um, uneventful, I think we can say. Now, his last fight against Carlos Takam was a late replacement. So if you want to give him a break there, okay. He's had plenty of notice for this Joe Parker fight. Joe Parker is excellent. So I'm not doing the thing here where Anthony didn't put him away, so take a check away from him in the battle with Deontay Wilder. He's still fantastic. He's still the guy that walked through the fire to beat Vladimir Klitschko. Um, But as far as being the heat-seeking missile, as far as being the guy who's looking to get everybody out of it, he doesn't look like that necessarily. You know, body changed a little bit, noticeably smaller in this fight. Um... I do feel like the big difference in this fight was the jab by him, by, was the range. And, you know, I saw some. I saw Deontay Wilder and I saw Jarrell Miller. I saw both of them come out and say they thought Joe Parker won the fight, which I thought was odd on a couple standpoints. One, I think they both want to fight Anthony Joshua, so I don't know why you'd trash talk Anthony Joshua and make it seem like he'd lost the fight. I always find that one weird, but I get it. You're a little bit petty and... And you're a little bit upset with some of uh, how things are going about with Anthony. And he's the guy on top. So easy to take shots. I get it. Um, I did think he won that fight. You know, it's certainly his output wasn't that great. But Joe's wasn't either. You know, Joe, how many clean shots did he land? And most of them were to the body. And it didn't look like he was bothering Anthony. But I think between the jab and the left hook that I didn't think Joe Parker had a great answer for. I just thought, to my standpoint, he won the fight fairly easily. I think I had him win in the last five rounds. I actually had – I was very in line with Steve Farhood, who I think does a great job on Showtime. The only difference him and I had, we had 10-10 rounds. He had the second round. I had the first round being a 10-10. And I think that's why people thought the fight was as close as it was. I think the fight felt as close as it did – because there were a lot of rounds you probably could have said were 10-10. They were very even. There was a lot of feel-out. There was nobody really taking the fight by the reins. But if we were to even take out the last eight, if we were to even do that for the first four rounds, let's say, you know, so give me eight rounds if this fight. I thought it was 5-3, Anthony Joshua, even if you were to take out the even rounds. So I thought, he won convincingly, won by a couple rounds. I didn't think those were even close. I think I think the rounds at the second half of the fight, I thought it was pretty clear AJ was winning the fight. I thought Joe Parker had his little run there, like round five through eight. And that was it. Five through eight, five through seven. I thought that was it. Uh, you know, got a little aggressive. And then I thought thought I thought he got a little gun shy. I thought he got he got a little tired of taking that stiff jab in his face. And that was all she wrote. I and you know, it was very you know, it was funny. They they made this point about AJ wanting to be more like Evander Holyfield, that he wanted to take those traits of his game. And, man, he has this vicious uppercut that if it landed at any point, it would have ended the fight. It, it clearly, I think, is his A punch because for being that size, for the way he's able to sneak it in there, it's it's vicious. But wasn't able to land it once. However... I thought the style I saw yesterday, and excuse me for doing the nationalistic parallel, but I thought it was very Lennox Lewis. I thought it was very Lennox Lewis. thought he stood behind his jab. I thought he fought a safe fight. I thought he fought a poised fight. 
didn't take a lot of risk, didn't um, didn't need to. I thought he was. I thought he he knew he had the fight in hand, and didn't want to do anything dumb to let up. And you're gonna have that when you get into this upper class. A lot of the times, what makes a guy a star is they'll have a highlight knockout, or they'll have a signature win, or a, or a staple win over a guy in a stunning fashion. But then the competition's gonna up. And you're going to fight better guys, and you're going to eventually go the distance a lot more. Look at Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman gets a, you know, he, he makes himself known as one time. By the way, he's injured again. Shout out to Keith Thurman. Get uh, get healthy, man. Um, love to see you back in the ring, but he's hurt again, so that sucks. Um, but you get that you get that 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 signature win, and then you're taking on tougher competition, and they're more game, and they're willing to go the distance. So, I'm not I'm not criticizing him for going the distance. It's going to happen. For me, I think the thing that people are probably wondering is, well, are you really not that much of a cut above Joe Parker? Did you really fear Joe Parker's punching power that much that you wouldn't risk it a little bit more to get him out of there? I think those questions are going to be asked because you know Deontay Wilder would have gone for the absolute bludgeoning of Joe Parker at the risk of getting hurt. We saw it with Luis Ortiz. And that may be just because Luis Ortiz is a much more quote-unquote skilled boxer than Deontay is, and that's how Deontay's got to win. Um, but if you're looking for the arms race right now of who's the more exciting fighter, I think it's Deontay. I think Deontay's definitely taking the crown of who do you want to watch as a more, just from a boxing fan, obviously if you're British, you probably want to watch Anthony Joshua. Um, but I think right now the, the the crown of crowd pleaser is going to Deontay. You know, he fought a dangerous opponent. He pulls fights out of his bleep. Um and when he fights guys that he outclasses, he turns them into memes like he did with Bermain Stavern. So their last couple of fights, the guy I think who has come out of it looking better has been Deontay. Does that matter in getting these guys in a ring? I don't know. Probably not. So I didn't think the fight was that close. I thought the judges had it a little bit too lopsided, but I'm talking a little bit too lopsided in their decision. Shut up. That's stupid. Um... But if you gave two, three rounds to Joe Parker, I thought that was about it. I mean, you could have given him some closer rounds if you wanted to. And let's talk 8-4. Getting 7-5, I feel like you're getting a little bit dicey. I feel like you were leaning towards giving Anthony Joshua anything he wasn't winning. You were giving to Joe when it was probably more even. Um, But 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 AJ won that fight. There's there, There's no argument here. He won that fight, and I thought he won it pretty clearly. Now, as far as AJ fighting Deontay Wilder next, there were a couple interesting things that I thought came out of the post-ring interviews. Says he wants to fight Deontay. Doesn't seem to be backing off of that. He um, he said, my, my preference is to fight Deontay next. If not him, then Tyson Fury. But the most interesting thing I thought that came out of yesterday or two days ago, excuse me, was him saying he doesn't want to go to America. He wants to fight in the UK. He said all these all these years they've been asking us to spend money, to go to Vegas, to travel over there. When Look at, look at around you. Look around you what we got here. We got an 80,000-person stadium here, record-breaking. And they're asking us to go over there. No. It stays here. 
this is where the money is to to some degree. I'm starting to paraphrase it a little bit and throwing some cheese. Um, but he basically said, I don't want to go to America. The money's here. The money, the money is here. I'm the draw here. Come, come fight me here. Now, I don't think Deontay Wilder is going to have an issue. This is a guy who agreed to go fight Povetkin in Russia. I don't think Deontay has an issue with fighting Anthony Joshua over in the UK. I think he'll sign up for it in a second. But I did think that was an interesting stand that AJ was taking. Because all these years, these boxers have been told to really make money, you have to come to America. You have to become a pay-per-view star in the U.S. And he's saying, nah, man, I'm making plenty of money. I'm getting $500 million offers from the UFC, reportedly. Um, I know that my financial future is secure. And if you want to come fight and you really are serious about it, you got to know who the golden pony is. You got to know where the cash cow is. Can I make other any farm money references? You got to know who the guy is, and it's me. And we're going to fight where I want to fight, and we're going to fight on my terms, and if Deontay Wilder wants to get a crack at these belts, he's got to play on my turf. And I thought that was a pretty big stand by Anthony Joshua. I don't know if it was just lip service to the the crowd. That's a very pro AJ crowd, and it's a Hulk Hogan moment for him where he is going to played up for his people, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting thing to say, to put out there, to 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 plant his flag and say, we don't need America. We don't need to go over there. I'm making plenty of money here. You guys need me. And I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting to play. I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out for AJ and Deontay getting into a ring. It feels like this is frosting up a bit. It feels like we may be getting Jarrell Miller over there or something like that. They've been having a good relationship with Eddie Hearn, so it may be Big Baby versus AJ, and who knows? We may get that Deontay Wilder, Dillian White fight. Maybe we'll get that on the same card, and Eddie Hearn will be counting his cash. I don't know. But it feels like after this weekend, I I felt like we were further than we were when Deontay won. To me, that was just the temperature of the room. You, you know, you just you got the feeling after the fallout, the comments about Deontay being too unreasonable, AJ saying he doesn't feel like going to America, he'll fight here if he wants to. Getting all those comments, um, it felt like we were further from Deontay Wilder, AJ, than we were before. So take that for what it's worth. And I think De- here's what needs to happen now for these guys. Deontay needs to play this up really hard. He needs to... Get America behind him. You got a guy who's too coward to come over here. You got a guy who won't even bend a little bit to fight the baddest man on the planet. He wants to be in his safety bubble of the UK. He needs to hit this hard in the pre-fight promotion or whatever's keeping the fight away. I'll go over there. I'll go fight Dillian White. And look, remember, a couple weeks ago I was telling you, he doesn't need to fight Dillian White to prove himself being worthy of the AJ fight. To me... Deontay Wilder has proved his worth. He deserves to fight for the undisputed championship of the world. Bar none, no questions asked. But we know that's not the game. So is he going to play the game with Eddie Hearn? And is he going to make him fight his B guy before he fights his A guy? And is 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 Eddie going to give him Jarrell Miller? 
I think that would be an interesting card to do, put them on the same card together. You know, have AJ fight Jarrell and then fight and then have Deontay fight Dillian White and hopefully they can have some kind of standoff there. You know, that I think is probably where we're going to go next, if I had to guess. If I had to guess, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We may we may have a little bit of a delay. Maybe they don't want to be on the same card together. Maybe Deontay is too proud right now to be a co-main for Anthony Joshua. And I would understand that. I would understand not wanting to keep appearing like you're the B-side in this thing. Even though we know what the reality is, I can understand why he wouldn't want that to be the case. And look, that was a big thing. He was supposed to be there this week. He was supposed to be in Wales. Uh, Sky Sports gave him an offer to do broadcasting. He turned it down, so he wasn't there for any of the real pre-fight promotion. The only thing he did was a media tour in New York, and he told the Breakfast Club he wanted to murder somebody. In the ring. It's body on his record. Which, by the way, I saw that uh, Mauricio Suleiman from the WBC was like, this is an outrage. We do not accept this is outside of the morals clause of the WBC. I'm like, first of all, WBC, look, beautiful belts. You made a fake belt for uh, a fake fight between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather where a boxer, an all-time boxer, was taken on an amateur and you made up a belt and said it cost millions of dollars, which it did not. So morals and ethics, you, you lie about the value of your belts. And second of all, you have belts for people bludgeoning each other in the head for money. For money. You don't think that death is a possibility there. And second of all, you think you're doing some high moral ground here? I just thought that was funny. Ridiculous. This is Suleiman. Zip it up, Suleiman. Enough of you. I'm tired of this nonsense with your fake belt and your fake outrage. Anyway, um, so that's, that's what I want to update you guys. This is the updated version of Fighter's Fury. I'll play uh, the rest of the episode after this. You guys can tune in what we aired on Sunday. Um, you know, you'll hear from Joanna and Jaychik. We're scheduled to talk to Khabib this week and Rose Namajunas on uh, on some of the shows. So we'll have that coverage for you as well. And everybody have a great week, man. It's going to be a fun fight week. Can't wait for it. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Happy Easter to everybody out there. Want to let you know, we're going to have a special version uh, tomorrow. Download the podcast. We'll have a full recap of Anthony Joshua versus Joe Parker. Easter holiday. Going to get into some of the news of the week this week. And the big news was, of course, Canelo Alvarez. It looks like that this fight between him and Kennedy Golovkin is going to be canceled. I was Look, I got to tell you. I was flat wrong, flat wrong last week when I said that this was going to be no big deal and that the commission was doing this just to look good. Apparently not so much. You know, Canelo had another test that came back. It apparently was higher than the original one. And then what happened was he did a 90-minute interview with the commission. Commission filed a former complaint, even pushed his hearing back further. It was pushed from like the uh, the 10th to the 18th. So you're pushing it even closer to the proposed fight date. And then you had reports trickle out. ESPN spoke to the MGM. MGM said they were going to start offering refunds to people. And it appears like we're heading to Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, not happening. 
which is a huge bummer. We want that fight to happen. Not only that, I mean, there's a couple personal reasons we wanted to go out there. We were planning to go out there for the fight. And the biggest problem I think this this sets is you're in a position now with boxing where there's very few pay-per-view fights that we can have. I mean, heavyweight division still needs a little cook into it. I don't know how much an American heavyweight title on pay-per-view would do these days. I think it would be very successful on premium cable. I don't know how many people are willing to fork over 60 you know, dollars to watch any of these top heavyweights fight yet. I think they're fantastic. They're as entertaining as hell, but it's just what it is with the state of the star power in boxing. You lose a Canelo Alvarez, you're really losing your last golden pony as far as a guy who is reliable to bring you solid numbers at the pay-per-view box box office every single time he fights. No matter when, no matter who, Canelo Alvarez is a proven draw. Now that you lose him, man, it's tough to know who the guy is right now in boxing. And you you feel bad for Gennady Golovkin because I think he would have fought him. I, I don't think this is a case where he was going to duck Canelo Alvarez. I think he wanted that fight back. I think he thought he won the first fight as close as that was or in many people's minds as as clearly as he, he was when he beat Canelo in the first fight didn't get his hand raised, was very unconclusive, and now we're left in this position where Canelo's not even going to fight, who knows how long he's going to be suspended, and where does Triple G go from here? It seems like the logical move is he fights Billy Joe Saunders. The problem is Billy Joe, and we talked about this last week on the show, he's got a hand injury, and he's probably not going to be ready till June. He was scheduled to fight in about mid-April, and this fight would only be about two weeks after that. So it's hard to imagine Billy Joe, even if the payday is going to be upgraded, being willing to fight Gennady Golovkin when, you know, the Cinco de Mayo date, it's a very important boxing day, but you're losing the Mexican fighter on the card. So is it really that important to be tied to it? Probably not. Now, where does Gennady go from here? Now, does he go across the pond and fight Billy Joe in London? Um, do they do something in Brooklyn or they do, do they still try and do it in Vegas? if that fight is to occur, let's say, sometime in the summer. I do feel like that's the logical move here, if you are Gennady Golovkin, because I imagine if it's this series, if you if we're at a point right now where, where Canelo Alvarez is going to be taken off the card, i got to imagine they're going to rule a suspension. Unless Canelo can come with some solid proof of how he ingested this substance, or is confident that He'll be able to prove that it was unintentional. Usually these unintentional ingestions still come with some kind of a suspension. So it may be one of those cases where Canelo can't fight till, till September. And does Gennady want to be that inactive for that long? I mean, he's not a youngin. Gennady Golovkin's not young. He is probably still, if he's not in the prime, he's just on the outside of his prime, likely heading towards the downward slope. You know, he's probably probably right at the top of the mountain getting ready to look down so it's rough for Gennady Golovkin I feel I feel for him and look I'm not gonna sit here behind this microphone today and change how I feel about what Canelo was doing and what I mean by that is as a fan I feel this way pretty much across the board 
PEDs, I, I can tell you as a consumer of sports, very much in the birth and heyday of performance-enhancing drugs. It's not something that bothers me. I just take it as a reality of what's going on. These guys are professional athletes. They need to perform, especially these days with the amount of money that is put behind these athletes. I don't even look at it as cheating anymore because this isn't for the purity of the sport. This isn't for some grand honor in competition. To me, this is big money. This is big business. This is big boy status. This is to get a lot of people to come watch you fight, dunk, hit a baseball, play some football. It's to sell ad revenue, ad dollars, and ultimately there is competition in it. There is sport, and I do think that the I do think that the culture of professional athletics it harbors this culture of using a lot of means for guys to go out there and perform at their best. And the other thing is I think a lot of what these guys take is all lumped under this huge, massive guise of steroids. When I think, for the most part, you know, they're not going and, and going to, to to Juice Head's Gold's Gym, finding the sketchy guy who's got the the fanny pack filled with vials and roiding out on 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 all the uh, the the anabolic horse steroids. Some of them are, but not really. A lot of that stuff's antiquated. They're using different things to do endurance and lean. Is, is it all Is it all where I'm justifying, where I'm trying to, to make peace with it? I don't feel like I am. I just feel like I'm in this, in this chair dealing with what reality is. Guys have to craft their bodies, and they have to get through fight camps, especially look at fighters. They've got two fight dates a year. That's two days to fight. That's two days to work, and they better be there at the best possible shape, in the best possible time, in the best possible way. If they can't fight, look what happens. It's not like any other any other sport where there's teams, there's replacement guys. If LeBron James can't go, somebody else is going to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. If Dwayne Wade can't go, somebody else is going to play for the Miami Heat. If Ryan Tannehill can't go, somebody else is going to go for the Miami Dolphins. There's still going to be Dolphins versus Patriots, Heat versus Cavs, whatever. If a fighter doesn't show up, and you're at the star level of a Canelo Alvarez, then what? Then an entire event is canceled. So, at that point, what are we talking about? Would you rather Canelo Alvarez do what he can to show up, or would you rather the fight not happen? And, you know, it's a tough question. Look, I know there's people who do feel they they want the honor of the sport, the integrity of the sport. I imagine... Many of those people are the ones who have the courage to lace up the gloves and step into the ring, and they want to know that the guy they're going up against is at, on the same level as them. I know that there's many people who only are using things because they got to feel like they got to keep an equal level and a fair playing field, because if they don't, then they're going to get left behind. And I don't fault either. I understand both. Um, and I, I if... We're looking at a guy in Gennady Golovkin who is clean. We don't know that. But let's just say that he is. 
and he's getting screwed out of this because of Canelo's stupidity, that sucks for him, man. And it's a huge bummer. I don't want to go out and say props to the Vasseth Athletic Commission because I want the fight to happen. But I will say I am very surprised that they are taking action. I didn't think that they would have the stones to do so with having a very reasonable out. But now Canelo is in a spot where he's going to have a lot of making up to do. I don't know what this is going to do to his brand because of what he took. It is going to be put under the umbrella of he's a juicer, he's a cheater, he's no good. And so this guy who has been a champion of not only the world, but of his country in in being a representation of Mexico, the pride of Mexican boxing, really now for the better half of a decade. And we're at this weird point where now he's got this, this scarlet letter on him. He's got this cloud over him. And what is going to be his marketability when he comes back? Is he going to take a hit from this? Now, I can tell you from the UFC standpoint, it doesn't affect you. We've seen this example with Ultimate Fighting and John Jones suffering suspension, and he's come back and had bigger paydays against Daniel Cormier, and it's been bigger than ever. We've seen it with Brock Lesnar, where he has gone away. I mean, it was so blatantly juiced to the gills, it was ridiculous at UFC 200, and the business was still amazing. People still wanted to see him fight, and they would pay to see him, both of those guys fight each other more than maybe any other fight ever, both of them knowing that they're cheaters or juicers. But with boxing, I do feel like it's a little bit rarer. People don't take to it as kindly. People don't accept it quite as much because it's a little more old school. It's a little bit more highbrow, if you will, for some of the pundits and the people around it. And so I do think that Canelo is going to have, from the media standpoint and from from his peers, a lot more making up to do than he necessarily would in an MMA match. Because in the UFC, you're all under the same umbrella. Hey, if you want to fight, you're fighting in the UFC, you're fighting the top guys, and that's it. There's not going to be any hemming and hawing over it. I think Canelo Alvarez is going to be in a weird spot now where who's going to want to fight him? Can we sell this? Is this on the same level? Now, we did just see this also with um, with in boxing. We, we do have a recent example of it, come to think of it, with De- Deontay Wilder fighting Luis Ortiz. Now, Luis Ortiz wasn't taking steroids, wasn't taking PEDs. He did pop and fail a test for medication. But, like I said, the guys are still there. Deontay didn't stop him from pointing the finger at Luis Ortiz. And it was a huge rating success for Showtime. So, uh, I don't know if it will affect Canelo in any way. The only the only thing I can say with that parallel, if I'm going to draw it, is Luis Ortiz was not the A-side there. Luis Ortiz was the, the terrific boxer, fantastic and awesome. But Deontay's the star there. Deontay is the draw, ultimately. The matchup is fantastic, but he's not, he's not, the, he's not the A-side. And so Canelo is now in this point where can he carry? Can people still want to see Canelo Alvarez fight with 
him not really being able to protect himself from a vocal standpoint. You know, he's not a guy who can go out and explain what happened in his own words to an American media. Doesn't mean that it can't be done. It can't be done in a good way. But I do think that can affect it in some way. Um, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from this. It's a, it's a, it is a, it was a bad week for the sport. You know, I don't, I don't ever think that when people say, oh, boxing had a bad weekend because judges got it wrong again. Judges got it wrong. I think that's one of the dumbest things ever because I think boxing really only gets talked about mainstream wise when there's a bad decision. You know, when Deontay Wilder goes out and he knocks out Luis Ortiz, I didn't see any coverage of it, but God, if, if, uh, if it was a bad scorecard, you could know that was going to get a segment on first take with Max and Stephen A. So the fact that we're at this point where it looks like no Canelo, no Triple G on Cinco de Mayo, barring on what Canelo's uh, his, his suspension is going to be, I don't know when the next boxing pay-per-view is going to be. That's crazy. And I know ESPN is going to go into this ESPN Plus and... Pay-per-view is probably going to change in general. You know, we've talked about this before, that the platform's changing, the way people consume media is changing, and it's hard to imagine that everything's going to be the same and and things are going to stick the same way that they've always been. Hard to imagine that. But for the really big fights, it does, you'd imagine people still want to get to the Floyd Mayweather model, that people want to be paid so much and these guys got to be in so much demand that people got to fork over the dough for it. And I don't know if there's a fighter like that right now on the planet in America, an American draw. I know in you know London that Anthony Joshua is a huge pay-per-view draw. Not quite the same just because they don't pay as much, and it's just not it's not the same market size as it is over here. And Anthony Joshua makes a ton of money. Doesn't make Mayweather money. He doesn't make uh, he doesn't make even pre. Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather money. Not yet. He may when he signs that UFC deal, if that happens. But um, this is a big one, man. This was a big blow to boxing this week. This one stung. This one stung. Because I thought it was still going to happen. And ultimately, I wanted a resolution to that fight. I don't want it to be decided like this. You know, test or no test, I want to get a result of who is the better fighter. And I don't think horse meat dictates who it is on one way or the other i think what happens in that ring does and i've I've kind of always felt that way i've felt that way with every sport and you know there's 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 old heads that that don't see it that way and we see that with baseball with voting and performance managing drugs and how even that's softening up because they can almost they're almost at a point with throw their hands up they don't understand it they don't know who was on it who wasn't on it and they just got to respect the error that they're in from my standpoint, I look at it as entertainment, and home run races were fun. Barry Bonds did was fun. What Giancarlo Stanton did, clean or not, was fun. So, it, it, for me, I'm always going to err on, I'm always going to be on the side of, this was a sport meant for my entertainment. I don't look at this with some great honor. I don't look at this with some great pride, but I'm not in the sport. I'm not putting in the hours, the blood, sweat, and tears. I'm not Canelo Alvarez who decided he needed to 
maybe do something to push through and make his body a little bit better for the rematch. And I'm not getting Eddie Golovkin, who I don't know. I don't know, and that's a big thing. We don't know whether or not he's doing the same workouts, but he's not putting anything in his body or putting anything in his body that's getting detected or flagged or that is illegal. From what we know, he is doing it clean within the rule set. He's doing it within the rule set, and he's getting up every single day, and he's running those miles, and he's hitting that bag, and he's sparring those rounds without the help that Canelo was using. So what does that have to stand for? What does that have to what does that have to count for? You know, did, does, is that ultimately worth you not wanting to see the fight for me? No. But if I was Canelo's opponent, maybe I'd feel a lot differently. Maybe, maybe I'd justify it in my own mind. Don't care what he's on. I want the. Sh- I want to prove that I'm better no matter what, and I still want to get the payday. Or maybe you want to say, "Bleep you, man! You didn't beat me the last time. Seemed like you had a judge in your pocket, and now you're going and and filling your body with all kinds of stuff." Yeah, I can see that side. I can totally see that side from Triple G. But this is where we are. We're in a we're in a we're in a uh, a rough week for. For the sport. This was this one. This is legitimately one of those weeks that sucks for boxing. Not one of those, oh, boxing's dead. Nobody cares about boxing. Boxing's the worst. All that stuff that you hear that, that just makes you roll your eyes and, you know, all right, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Whatever. This one legitimately sucks. This one you could you could you could you could mark it down and say, nah, we can't really get past this one. This one is pretty awful. So When we come back, UFC 223 is coming up next week. Huge, huge card. Tony Ferguson, Khabib Namagamadov going at it for the lightweight championship of the world. Joanna Njicic, Rose Namajunas going at it for the strawweight championship. We'll come back. We're going to do a little bit of UFC 223. And also Ronda Rousey making the rounds this week in the media. Finally got to hear from the former women's bantamweight championship a little bit on her UFC career. Although, uh, not surprisingly, she was not too pleased to talk about it. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Happy Easter, everybody. Got a biggin' next week. A biggin'. A biggin'. UFC 223, the lightweight championship of the world. Tony Ferguson defending his now interim, but probably going to be made official, Lightweight championship against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Rose Namajunas rematch against Joanna and Jacek. Very, very exciting. We are going to hear from Joanna and Jacek coming up next segment. Got a chance to speak with her in the middle of training camp as she was prepping for this fight. She trains over at American Top Team in Coconut Creek. She lives down here in South Florida now to train. She's come over from Poland. Um, and and uh, you'll hear her uh, her glowing reviews of training at ATT, her love for South Florida. And how training camp is going and, and, and how training camp was as she tries to defeat the only person to ever beat her. And, you know, she's almost got two opponents because she's doing this and she's got to fight the scale. I mean, she's not been shy talking about how much that weight cut affected her. But uh, before we get into UFC 223, I did want to spend a couple minutes on Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, we got um, WrestleMania coming up next week as well, next Sunday. So for the UFC fans, you'll get a chance to see Tony, Khabib, Rose, and Joanna, and then the woman who made it possible for those two to be on a UFC card, a UFC pay-per-view, 
is going to make her WrestleMania debut, which is kind of cool. And Ronda was doing the media this week, and she was very prickly when anybody brought up mixed martial arts, especially on the mainstream shows. You know, she didn't do a lot of MMA media. She took, she spoke to Brett Okamoto, who does great coverage for ESPN.com, and we'll get into her comments there in a second. But obviously there was a lot of brushback because she went on Mike Golick and Trey Wingo's show, and Mike Golick was weird about his question about, would you ever go back in time to, would you ever go back in, he, he's like, he said it, would you ever go back in time? And she took it like, are you asking me if I can time travel? She was trolling the hell out of him uh, instead of, would you ever go back to the UFC? And, you know, Ronda want, you know, she doesn't want to talk about it. And so if you're not spot on with your questions, she's going to eviscerate you because she doesn't want to talk about it. Max Kellerman, he did it in reverse. She goes on first take, and Max Kellerman is doing the Max Kellerman thing where he's filibustering and he's trying to be ultra poetic in his questions when he's not just getting to the question. And he's bringing up, uh, I don't understand why everybody was so negative about your losses and when you were so fantastic in a trailblazer. And so why do you think that was, that everybody hated you? And so Ron didn't take care of it. It's a... there's plenty of people who recoil at it and say, oh, Rhonda, still a sore loser at it. And I've been a, myself, a pretty ardent Ronda Rousey defender because I don't, I don't like the fact that people want to ultimately dump on somebody because they lost a fight, you know? Did she win it with, did she lose with, uh, with, uh, with, with grace? No, no, she lost, she lost, she sucks at losing. All right. That's is that is that the worst crime? Bad loser. You're a sore loser. It's like, okay, it's not a great quality, but who cares? Is it, how Ronda Rousey wins or loses? Is it is it uh, you know is it to the point where she was doing flips off somebody and getting disqualified? No, she didn't shake Misha Tate's hand one time because the the two had a, a blood feud between each other and and she didn't want to actually act like with friends. I liked that. I thought it was real. You know, even though they were in the competition of sport, and this is supposed to be looked at a, as a as a dome of honor and and uh, and integrity, nah, she's not going to act like they're friends after they tried to break each other's arms and punch each other in the face. That doesn't change anything in Ronda's mind. Um, and so, was the fallout from the Holly Holm thing the best way to handle it? Probably not. You probably, when you could have spoken to the media and just gotten over it but she clearly has some things mentally when it comes to accepting losing it has such a bad taste in her mouth that it's not something she wanted to discuss the thing I thought fascinating though out of the Brad Okamoto piece more than anything uh, that was said this week because it wasn't the stuff that went viral and it's not the stuff that's going to get the coverage. I thought I thought fascinating was her coming out and saying that she was looking for a way out, but it never presented itself in the right way. In other words, that she probably should have gone out when the Holly thing was gone, or maybe even leading into the Holly Holm thing, but she didn't feel like the women's division could stand on its own without her. There was tremendous responsibility on Ronda Rousey. There's a tremendous burden being a champion. We talk about 
this with 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 all the fighters we've interviewed, and especially ones that are are trying to get belts back. What a burden it is to have that weight. So imagine you're Ronda Rousey, and you not only have the weight of being the champion, which is an individual burden, but you have the burden of you brought an entire gender into a promotion that said they would never have your kind. And then you put on top of it, not only that, you're not only bringing a gender in, you're kind of the face of the company right now. There was no Conor McGregor. Anderson Silva was on the outs. John Jones wasn't as big a draw as you were. So you're the face of the company. You're responsible for an entire gender being in the sport. And on top of that, you got to defend your title. So it means you're fighting the baddest person on the planet most times. You could just say that she got uh, a couple people that were easier, like Betchkoya. Sure, she got that. Still made for a fun fight and a, and a fun draw, uh, lead up, didn't it? Um, so you lose, and you lose in this 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 awful fashion. And people are mocking you. They're making memes out of you. They're they're, they're giving you the Pacquiao treatment when he lost to Marquez. And you're like, man, this really flipped on its head for what? Because I lost? Because I went in there in a vulnerable state and I got kicked in the face? And a lot of people will say, tough nuggets, man. That comes with the well, that comes with fame. You're going to have to deal with the fallout. And that's true. It does come with the fallout. And you got to deal with the bad. Not as good as you deal with the good, but you have to deal with it. And so there is a little bit of Ronda is still dealing with having to answer stuff that happened in 2015 because she never dealt with it in the first place. It was it was Ice City. She didn't speak to anybody other than Ramona Shelburne and Ellen and a weird stint on SNL. And then other than that, she comes back to fight Amanda Nunes for what appears are the wrong reasons. You know, the company needed a push. They're trying to sell the company. You know, Dana was pressuring her and wanted one last payday. Didn't appear... Uh, from reports that she sparred at all for that. So she came in woefully unprepared to take any damage in that fight, even though she looked in tremendous shape from a, from a body standpoint. She didn't necessarily have the right preparation for the fight. She wasn't in fight shape. So she doesn't do any media for that and was probably hoping that she'd come out of there, she'd tear Amanda Nunes's arm out of its socket, she didn't. She got obliterated. And then everybody starts to say that she's a fraud, that she's a hack, that this was never anything to begin with. More stuff that's not true. Does she have the greatest attitude in the world when you ask her about fighting? No. But who cares at this point? All right, so she doesn't want to talk about fighting. I'm, I'm quite frankly I'm quite frankly sick of doing the same segment about it for three years. About what are the answers? What was she feeling? Obviously nothing good. What was she feeling? Oh, she was feeling fantastic. She got kicked in the face. Um, you know, did she deal with it like uh, McGregor? No, she didn't deal with it like McGregor did. All right, so what? So McGregor's a better loser. Good. Some people handle losing better than others. Some people can handle it gracefully. Some people are Michael Jordan. Some people are Kobe. Just weird to me. But as we were saying, because of Ronda Rousey, and you should remember that for what it's worth, because of Ronda Rousey, now we get to watch an awesome fight this weekend between Joanna and Jaychik and Rose Nama Yunus. Two complete badasses who had a stunning result. I think really made the night the last time these guys were in the ring with each other because I did not see Joanna losing that fight. I did not. 
I just didn't I didn't see Rose's path to victory, especially via striking. I guess if she got her on the ground, if we're gonna say, oh, UFC 217, Rose will get her on the ground, choke her out. She's got some she's got some long limbs. She could do some interesting things on the ground that'll frustrate Joanna. All right, I'll 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 be in camp with you on that stuff. But I I I, I don't understand the, the the knock her out? What? That I, I was jump out of my seat crazy. So Rose is going into this with the upper hand. Let's not put it any other way. I mean, Joanna can talk about weight cut and what it took to craft her body and the, the depletion and that she's eventually moving to straw weight or she's eventually moving to fly weight, excuse me. Fine. But we did see this fight and Rose got a, a, a dominant KO victory on this. And so... Were there some mitigating factors on Joanna that were affecting her? I'll buy it. I'll buy it. But the results are what they are. So the question is, going into this, do you think that Joanna will be put in position in the right way when weight cutting day comes? Will she be able to do it? And she she gave good um, updates on it this week as far as where she was at. Is she going to be in good enough shape? where she can get through this fight and have success against Rose. How also will she attack this fight? You know, she's such a diverse, versatile, dynamic striker. Uh, Will she put herself in harm's way? Will she fight a safer fight? Because we've seen plenty of fight where Joanna, she can stay at a distance and butcher your face up. Or is Rose going to press the action and still look for that magic shot that'll put Joanna down? Because sometimes... After you've been cracked like that, it's a lot easier to get you the next time. I think we just, you know, speaking of Ronda. So this is an interesting one. I, I, I don't have a great feel for it. The one thing is, the one thing I can, I, I, I if I'm going to go with Joanna, and I have this feeling like these guys, are these two are so close that, it could end up being a trilogy fight. It could be one of those things where maybe they'll meet up in another division down the road too. I think they're just both that good. And maybe Rose will prove me wrong again and show that, no, 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 I'm a cut above. I'm a cut above. I'm not the person that I was early in my career. I'm now the champ. But Ioana, man, Ioana is such a savage. Ioana, Ioana and Jacek is so dynamic. And... I don't know. She seemed like she seems like in the lead up to this, she has been in a much better place that having the relief of that burden of the championship gone is been better for her. But can you get back that eye that can you get back that, 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 that edge that you had? I think this is what I got for that fight. I think we're gonna have a moment again where Joanna is gonna get cracked. But I think she's going to be able to withstand it. I think she's going to be able to withstand it better. I think this will probably be a, wet, a better weight cut. We'll see. Maybe prove it wrong in fight week. But I think this is going to be one of those ones. I don't think Joanna is going to knock out Rose. I don't think so. Rose, Rose, is, Rose is tough as nails. I think she can take the shots. And I think Joanna is going to go about this to go get the win. To fight, a, to fight not a safe fight, but to fight a fight where there's, there's less risk for her. And... I think she's going to come away with a win on this one. I think I think I think Joanna's going to get the belt back and we'll get a trilogy fight for this.
Now, the main event, Tony Ferguson against Khabib Nurmagomedov. I was, I, I don't know if I've been as angry as I was when Khabib Nurmagomedov missed weight for this fight last year. Oh, I was mad. I was so mad. I wanted this fight badly. And we didn't get it. All the rumors about Tiramisu. Those jokes are still flying for Khabib. But these two, I mean, they bring such interesting skill sets to the ring. You know, this isn't what I think fascinates me about this fight. You know, a lot of the times we go into these mixed martial arts fights and we're like, oh, it's it's the, the grappler against against the knockout artist, the striker. These guys are so good at different stuff in their own area. Tony, I mean, I think the term Swiss Army Knife is thrown out a lot, but he's just, he's a different kind of weapon, man. He is. The different kind of cat. He's a different kind of, he's a different kind of, he's, he's different kind of skilled. And the things that he's dynamic at, I don't know who's as good at that at anybody else in the octagon. You know, this, this guy, he goes out there and it feels like he pulls out stuff that nobody even thinks, nobody even looks for. And Khabib is opposite in this regard. You know exactly what he wants to do. He's going to walk right across that cage. He's going to get his hands on you. He's going to put you on the ground. He's going to smash your face in until you quit. Or it has to be stopped. The X factor in this has to be that Tony has got a lot of assets if somebody takes him down. This isn't a case where you're putting a fish on land. This is where Khabib's almost going into the ocean with a shark. You know? Where he may have a harpoon. He may have a spear gun. But Tony's still got teeth. And the thing that does worry me about this with Khabib is obviously the weight cut. And it's a shame that I've had to bring that up both times in in the co-main and main, but it is what it is. I don't know what kind of body we're going to get out of Khabib. Is he going to have the pressure? Is he going to be on point? But let's just put the weight cut aside. If he is at full strength, he's what? 22-0, 23-0? Get this up for you. Khabib Nurmagomedov. In his career, twenty-five and zero. Can't believe I undersold him like that. The way he looked against Ed- Edson Barboza, the way he looked against Michael Johnson, the last two recent times we've seen him, so dominant, so dynamic. You know, was asking Michael Johnson to quit so he can go get his championship. But Tony, I mean. Good God, the guy just, the, he, every time, it's like a new type of submission. It's a new it's a new elbow from a new angle. He's so fantastic. But I got to pick one. And if I'm going to be, if I, this is what I think. This is what I think. I do think both these guys are going to have moments of success in this fight. And I do think that Khabib is going to put, a bludgeoning on Tony. 
But Tony's psychotic. This ain't a different. This is this is a different type of animal in me. And I do feel like when Khabib feels like he is getting the best of Tony, that he's gonna slip. He's gonna slip and make some kind of mistake. And Tony's gonna find that opening. He seems like he always does. Feels like he always finds that little crack that's good enough. Even when things aren't going perfect, he can find where you messed up enough and sink something in. So I'm going to say Tony Ferguson retains his title over Khabib, giving Khabib his first loss. I don't feel fantastic about it, but that's just what I visualize. I see these things. I think uh, I think a certain rival of theirs says it in that division. And then I guess we'll talk about the fallout from that afterwards. See if a certain someone shows up, and we'll see what that person wants to do afterwards. Everybody, when we come back, we will hear from Joanna and Jacek, trains an American top team in Coconut Creek, right here in our own backyard. She's getting ready to take on Rose Namajunas next week at UFC 223. We'll hear what JJ had to say about getting ready to get her belt back. And we're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Let's go out to the Orion Fuels and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. Truly sets beyond convenient. They will find Joanna and Jaychik. She is taking on Rose Namajunas for the strawweight title coming up at UFC 223. Joanna, thanks for making time for us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it, it's great to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm in Florida right now, so... I'm even more happy to talk to my buddies from Miami. <laughs> yeah, we're very well. It's, it's pretty awesome that you're trained down here, Yana. How did you How did you end up deciding that you wanted to come to South Florida to train? I know you've been down here for a little bit now, but what what led you to go uh, from from your homeland to come here? You know, I've been in this business for 14 years already, and uh, one and a half year ago, I decided to move to the states. Uh, I was a champion, the strawweight champion for two years and eight months. I've been traveling a lot to the states, and it was difficult to do all the media, press conferences, deal with the fans, and train at the same time, because uh, I won my belt with the team uh, from Poland, and I defended the belt uh, with, the, with, with the same team, but one day I had to make this decision, and I, so far it was the best decision in my fighting career. Uh, I love ATT, and um, this team is going, I, I'm going to work with American top team probably till the end of my fighting career. Amazing place. The headquarters uh, is brand new. It's only like, it's been two years in, in Coconut Creek. Uh, amazing people, great coaches, and uh, good sparring partners on the world-class level. Uh, in Poland, I had everything. You know, my family is there, my fiancé, I have my uh, goods there, but uh, I had to move here because I didn't have the right uh, mental support. So what I have here, I work with Mikey Brown, uh, WEC former uh, champion. I work with Cater Kubis and other great athletes. So it's a good place to be for amateur and professional fighters. Were there a lot of places you were you were looking at when you decided you wanted to move to America? What had you ended up? I know they have an amazing reputation and, and a lot and a, an amazing yeah. stable of fighters. What made you want to land down here? You know what? Everything happens for a reason, and and uh, I, I, of course, I was uh, at Great Jackson. I was uh, at Kings in LA, in California. I was at Great New Mexico. I was at Elevation Team in Denver. But at the end, uh, I moved here to ATT, and like I said, so far it was the best 
decision in my fighting career and it's going to be an honor to win the belt for the owner Dan Lambert, uh, the owner of ATP Dan Lambert and win this belt as an American top team athlete uh, on April 7 at the Barclays Arena. Yeah, you, it's going to be an amazing night of fights between you and Tony Ferguson and Khabib fighting for the belt. It's it's going to be an amazing night for fight fans. It's a great card. It's a great card. Oh, it's man. amazing. I can't I can't wait for it. I see you on social media with my guy Daya Davis working out, getting ready for for Rose for your rematch. How how have you felt in this camp, Joanna? Is it is it different? You you know, it is the first loss you're coming off your career. Do you feel a different motivation? Is it the same? Are there what is the feeling I I guess like prepping for this one? Uh, you know what? I'm more focused, and uh, there is no drama in my life, in my uh, fighting life, and I'm only focused on getting better. Uh, you know, so many people ask me if I was going to work at American Top Team and, and the same coaches. I said yes, because we didn't do anything bad. We were more than ready to win that fight with Rosa Mayunas. I know that so many people is talking about my excuses, but I don't look for excuses. Uh, you know that I've been in this business for so many years, and it would be stupid if I was looking for excuses. I lost. I take this. Rose is a champion, and I have so much respect to her. But that night, I couldn't compete. I was not a competitor because of the way how I felt. But uh, I, I, I only... This camp, I, I had to learn, and I'm still learning how to be patient because I know that this day is coming, you know, and and I will get what get back what belongs to me, and just throw away both. What's it like, Joanna, when you're on top like that so much, and you have to go in, I guess, camp after camp, and and and, and figure yeah. out, I guess, new ways to better yourself? Is is it harder? Do you find it harder, I guess? being in the position of, of being on top or is it or is it harder going at this point trying to go get it back that, that's a perfect question you know every champion who defended the belt a few times gonna say the same that of course it was not easy to get to the top get the title shot win the belt but it's definitely more difficult to keep on defending the belt and uh, even at the top you must keep your eyes open even more than before and you can, you must expect from people more and more, and expect more from yourself. And uh, I believe, and uh, I want all of my fans to be patient uh, and just wait for the for the final day, for the April seven. You know, but I, I work really hard twice a day. I work hard uh, to get back. Uh, what is your favorite part about living in South Florida besides uh, getting to be at an awesome camp and, and train at ATT? What do you like outside of uh, the camp in South Florida? People, people are so nice. I, I love my homeland, and I was born and raised in Poland, and my fiancé is there, my family and friends. And uh, I, I want to live there after I will be done with fighting. But So I spend usually like two, three months in Florida, then I fly back home for two, three months. But I love Florida, you know. Uh, no drama. Uh, people are super nice. The weather is great, and I I feel like home, you know. I feel like home, and definitely people are making the places. And because of uh, an amazing people, I feel like home in Florida. And I love the weather, man. I love the weather. One of your guys at ATT, Yoel Romero. He's uh, he's trying to get the mo- the momentum behind having a, a, a championship fight down here. Would you be down for that? Defending a belt. Down in Miami? Oh, 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 why not? Why not? 
Why not? Like I said, it's my second home. Florida is my second home, and I would like to do, I would like to do that for the Polish community here in the state in Florida, for my fan base here in Florida. Definitely, I would like to do that. That'd be pretty awesome, Johan. Thank you for taking uh, some time with us. Best of luck the rest of the way in camp, and we'll be watching so at much, UFC guys. 223. Thank you so much. I, I, I hope we're gonna talk after the fight. Absolutely. Actually, I always do my vacation after every fight in Miami. South Beach, uh, Miami is amazing. It's beautiful. I all I I always have a good vacation over there. So I will swing by and talk to you. I will come with the strawberry bed on my way. Uh, you know what? We'll take you up on it, Joanna. I'd love to see it. Love to see it wrapped around your waist again. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. And there she is, Joanna Jacek, former UFC strawweight champion, looking to get her belt back. Next week is UFC 223 live on pay per view. Looking forward to that one for sure. Everybody have a great rest of your Easter. Have a blessed Easter. We will see you guys same time, same place next week on Fighters Fury. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.